0: was the only thing on my list. After I got the diagnosis, I looked at everything and thought, you know, put good things in perspective. None of that's going to count. I'm going to die. I've got about a year left know. I'm going to die, so what the heck? The only thing meaningful was to go back and say goodbye to everybody.
1: Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. Now let's start crossing it off together. What if you received your Best Buy date? No, not a ticket to pick up a computer at Best Buy, but a schedule for how much time you have left. Would you run out and do all those things that you always said you would do? Go to all those places that you'd never been? Would you buy all those things that you've always wanted to buy? Or would you decide to spend that remaining time with family and friends? Even if that meant you had to cross the pond. Well, our bucket list storyteller got their best buy date. And they did just that. Took a big trip with family to see friends and relatives that they hadn't seen in a long time. Let's learn why and how they did that let's start crossing it off. At this time, I'd like to welcome my guest Alistair Henry. Alistair describes himself as an author, an entertainer, a boomer backpacker, and a double lung transplant. Alistair, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. So tell us, what did you cross off your list?
0: A farewell trip to the UK.
1: Let's start with why was this a, you're not, I don't think you're in a band. You say you're an entertainer, but you're probably not in a band. So it's not like you have a farewell tour going on. What was the reason why you wanted to take this trip?
0: Because I'd been diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, given a life sentence, a life expectancy Mm. of 18 months, which gave me a best before date of June, 2020 with a progressively, um, The mobility rate is three to six years. So I thought, you know, okay, I've got 18 months to uh, do whatever. I looked at everything on my bucket list. And the only thing, when you get a best before date like that, it changes your perspective Mm. on life. And the only thing I wanted to do was to spend some quality time with my children, my grandchildren, my wife, and go back to England to say a final goodbye to my sister and my uh, nieces, nephews, and friends.
1: Okay. <laughs> You've already got me choked up a little bit. Can you tell me, did you have a bucket list before this diagnosis? W- what, was your, what was your relationship to a bucket list before you got that news?
0: Well, there was always things, Roger, that I wanted to do in life. Like I retired. Fortunately, I was able to retire when I was 57. Wow. And I went, I had a lovely property in the country, 50 acres, five ponds, river flowed through it. But after two years, I was asking myself, is this it? Is this all there is? I mean, I'm only 59. I can't just play golf and cut grass for the rest of my life. <laughs> so um, I decided at that point to change my life around. And I went to live in a small First Nations community, in a remote fly-in community in Canada's Northwest Territories for two years. And that uh, totally changed my life. What I realized when I went there was helping people was personally fulfilling to me. Prior to that, I'd been a corporate businessman in boardrooms, meetings, budgets, but I hadn't really worked with people. But up in that community, because I was an outsider, people felt they could trust me and they came to me. And initially it was like, get out of here, you know. I'm not your personal counsellor. And I realised, you know, these people, they don't have bank accounts, credit cards. They're so, so needy. And I was in a position. So I was buying things on my credit card for them. But it was okay because they were on the payroll. You know, they had different jobs. Uh, They were either on the fire crew or doing the ice road, things like that. So, so long as they uh, had a payroll, I had no problem putting things on my credit card and just deducting them out of my well when I saw how I could alleviate the stress in their life, that's when I realized i want I want to share my skills. So when I came out two years later, believe it or not, I decided to volunteer. I went to Bangladesh for two years, working with a local NGO who was working with the abjectly poor in rural and coastal areas. And then I went to Jamaica, Kingston, in the same capacity, and then to Georgetown, Guyana, in the same capacity. So there was all these things happening in my retirement years, all this personal growth. It was wonderful. So you get this
1: diagnosis. And so what happens with you from there? You know, I've dealt with my own well, father and cancer and... and... yeah. What were you thinking when you heard that Best Buy date, as you uh, called it?
0: Yeah, well, the thing was, Roger, I was a -a pack-a-day smoker (laughs) for over 50 years, and I couldn't quit. It was an an addiction, I just couldn't quit. And I thought, you know, my demise is going to be like the rest of my family, heavy smokers, they all died of lung cancer. And I felt for sure that was my, my problem because when I had trouble breathing, I was, it felt like sucking air through a straw. I had shortness of breath. So when I was diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, I was put on oxygen immediately, three liters a minute. That's when they said, you know, because I said, well, you know, what am I looking at, three years, six years? And they said, unfortunately, your fibrosis is quite progressed. So you're looking at about 18 months but it was a progressive disease so i knew that i would be better to do something sooner than later so in august 2019 that's when i went to britain to to the uk on this farewell trip which was wonderful
1: you get this diagnosis you decide okay i'm i'm going to do some things that i've always waited to do and now i'm going to do them how high up on this list was Going back to the UK and and visiting with family and friends.
0: It was the only thing on my list. After I got the diagnosis, I looked at everything and thought, you know, put things in perspective. None of that's going to count. I'm going to die. I've got about a year left now. I'm going to die. So what the heck? The only thing meaningful was to go back and say goodbye to everybody and to have this, spend this quality time so that my children and grandchildren would remember this special time together so how many people went on this trip with you eight there was myself my wife my three children and three of my grandchildren
1: wow and how did you go about deciding where you were going to go once you got to the UK obviously once you said you want to see your sister and some other friends but were there other things that you wanted to include in that to to experience one last time What were some of those things?
0: No, I picked a hotel out in Manchester, England. It was a bit challenging because I had to arrange for a company in England to go and put some oxygen equipment in my bedroom. And uh, my nieces and nephews came in to Manchester to see me. So one came from France, a couple came up from London, one came from Kent. So there was about 20 there. And we all went to a big restaurant on a Saturday afternoon and then had a great big reunion. And then, so we stayed there for a week. And uh, other people, my friends, came to see me at the hotel. And then we flew down to Guernsey, the Channel Islands, mm-hmm. because uh, my mother and father were from there. And I had relatives there.
1: So was this the first time that your grandchildren or children had been to London? Yes, yeah, it's kind of a twofold trip then, right? It's one, it's being with their grandfather or father, and the, you know, saying goodbye to folks. Yeah. But at the same time, it's some of this is new for them as well.
0: Well, what? it was a final thing uh, when when the two of my grandchildren was ten and twelve. I retired early, as I said. I decided to go backpacking with them. So I, Keeper was fourteen. No, Keeper was twelve. Madigan was ten, and I just took the two of them. And we backpacked through Germany, France, Italy, and Greece. <laughs> and that was wonderful. No reservations. We just we just went with the flow. Wow. When I got back, Roger, like it's about September, October, November, right? Uh, I'm aware that my fibrosis is uh, progressing because I need more and more oxygen. I got to go from three liters to five liters. A woman came to the house once a month. And uh, she authorized the increase because uh, the fibrosis is um, was causing my lungs to uh, be less and less effective. So it was about Christmas. And I realized uh, as I was coming up, you know, this is the period of lasts for me in life. Mm. Last birthdays, last anniversary, last Christmas, last New Year. And I was okay with that because... um my sort of Buddhist philosophy was to unconditionally accept everything uh, what there was. I mean, I'd had a good life and I realized everybody's going to die. We all have a best before date. Nobody wants to think about it, but they do. And I was fortunate that uh, I had this opportunity, if you like, to consider things before my passing. Yeah. Uh, and I was okay with that. But my children weren't. They weren't Buddhist. They said, Dad, you need a lung transplant. I said, What? I said, Man, not at my age. I'm 75. (laughs)
1: Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the
0: show. They don't do lung transplants at my age. They said, come on, you've got to check it out, Dad. So I did. And believe it or not, I went on the transplant wait list in June 2020. And September 4th, I went in and had my double lung transplant. And here I am, two and a half years later. eh? Wow. So the
1: trip, that is amazing to me, because you get this diagnosis saying, okay, I'm, you're, you're going to expire, and then you get more time. Was there anything about the trip that kind of moved you in a direction of saying, okay, I'll go through this transplant?
0: No. No, as far as I was concerned, that was final. Mm. And as I say, it came up to October, November, December. And uh, I was aware. I only have six months. So when a birthday came, I realized, you know, this is my last Christmas and I was so appreciative of it and I never gave it a thought about an organ transplant. And actually, my doctor didn't even suggest mm-hmm. it to me. So had it not been for the children, uh, saying, you know, and I, looked, I said, well, no, I said, you know, it's, it's so it's such an invasive surgery. Yeah. I said, man, I'll probably die on the operating table. And they said, well, you're going to die anyway, dad. So what the heck? And that turned my thinking around. I thought, well, I'll check it out. And I did. And you know, the thing, Roger, was other than the fibrosis, I was in really good shape. Mm-hmm. I, did, I wasn't diabetic. Didn't have any high blood cholesterol. If I had these pre-existing conditions, I probably would not have qualified uh, as, a, as a transplant patient.
1: Let's go back to the trip just a little bit. You're there. You're, you're in the UK. You're with your family. Tell us what you were thinking as you watched your family have this experience with you. What were some of the things that you were thinking to yourself as you were participating, but at the same time watching this event unfold?
0: Yeah. Well, what I, what I realized was people don't like to confront death. Mm-hmm. They don't even think about it. I mean, we're all going to die, and we all have a best-before date. But with my situation, I was forcing them to confront the fact that, you know, I'm dying. I'm uh, I'm on my last legs, and they were so happy to see me. And uh, friends kept coming to the hotel, so it was wonderful. I was very um, I wasn't uh, morose or depressed or anything because I accepted reality. I'd had a great life, man. I was seventy-five how lucky is that yeah and uh, I smoked all my life so what the heck and uh, so I think my uh, my joyfulness uh, made them happy to Mm. see me I was just so appreciative to see them again but at that point I did think really this is it this is really it so when I go back to Canada as I said you know they moved me to eight liters a minute ten liters a minute And, uh, of course, I was noticing. I was less and less energy. I could feel myself, you know, going down the tube.
1: (laughs) So if if somebody came to you and said, I am, you know, I've got a similar situation and I have finally gotten my best before date, what would you tell them about living out that time period?
0: Well, it would be two. It was a very personal decision everybody's different mm-hmm. I mean some people would take off and maybe go to see Mickey at uh, Disney World mm-hmm. but uh no for me that's all I, that's all I wanted to do and I was quite content that I'd seen everybody um but there was one other thing Roger I was writing I'm an author mm-hmm. I started a book in 2016 uh historical fiction novel and um I stopped writing I'd done about 60,000 words And I stopped writing because I thought, you know, I don't have time to finish writing and publish it. So what's the point? So I stopped. I wrapped the book up and uh, I called it The Learning of Billy Hayes. I had 50 copies printed and uh, I gave them to the people in England or whatever as a legacy gift for them to remember me by that I was an author. Well, with this gift of life, uh, after their surgery, I was able to finish my book, so I was able to complete it in a way that uh, I wanted to. I renamed it The Soldier and the Orphan. I put it up on Amazon. I narrated it, which is amazing because Mm -hmm. two years earlier, I could hardly breathe. I narrated it, and it's an audiobook on Audible. Wonderful, eh? And now I'm doing podcasts. It's awesome.
1: So, Alistair, what's something – is there something – yeah, it sounds like this trip was the culmination of everything that you wanted um, as far as, you know, saying goodbye and doing those kind of things and reliving some of those places and people relationships. Is there anything else? You said it was the one thing on your bucket list. Did you add more to that or
0: is or are you good? No. Nope. I um, believe it or not, I've started a new career. <laughs> I'm uh, seven, seventy eight. I'm a narrator. I'm a podcast guest. I'm a voiceover artist because apparently there is a demand for senior male voices with British accents. There you go. So, wow, how wonderful life is!
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Alistair, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show and being here and being vulnerable and telling about your story. I'm um, thankful that you, uh, as I'm sure your children are, that you got the transplant, so you could be here today with us. Uh, Where can folks find you on the internet if they wanted to learn more about you and your story and possibly get engaged with your books?
0: I have a website, and it's com. Just com. And the thing, Roger, I hope that... um, to your listeners i'm a little inspirational and that uh, when you get bad news uh, you really just have to accept it and uh, don't get depressed and you just accept it and realize it's just part of life we're born we die we all have a best before date and that was a realization that i never had because i never thought about my best before date (laughs) before i had it but man it does change your whole perspective and what I realized was what is important is family and friends. When the smoke blows away, nothing else matters. So there you have it.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I always uh, find it interesting that the Bucket List movie that came out in 2007, they go on all these amazing trips and these amazing journeys. But at the end of the, the movie, the sorry for the spoilers, but, you know, family is really the item that they found most important on their bucket list to reconcile those relationships and spend time with them. So I appreciate you coming on and telling your story and reminding us of that, that family and people can be some of the most valuable that we put on our bucket list. So thank you, Alistair, for being here.
0: Thank you, Roger.